Okay, so hello everyone. Hello all listeners and welcome to this podcast. So my name is Damon and I'm and joined with me are my one of our guest groupmates, Raymond, Don and Chris. Well, tonight we'll be talking about current affairs new news in Singapore. So like what is the most hot topic now? Suggestions. I mean, the biggest deal right now is is Joseph Schooling, right? I think he he is in in hot soup, right? For for what 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 is that again? Cannabis consumption. Yeah, cannabis. Swimmer, right? So so the the right now the thinking is that there's no way that uh, he can bounce back. So what do you all think? Like, I do you think he can actually bounce back from this? Because his privileges are now revoked, like he can no longer like uh ask for like short term disruptions to go for like uh trainings, go for the competitions, go for all the what Southeast Asia games and all that. So, so that means to say that uh two years is is gone for his uh, uh swimming career, isn't that so? Mm. Wait, should we talk about whether we feel sympathetic about his plight first? Before we, we wonder if. <laughs> so, so the idea here is that you, you think that um, he's worth that sympathy, is it? Don? Like, um, mm. do you think that he, if yeah, uh, you you feel sorry for his state or like, or does that uh, align with yourself? Like, does he deserve that another chance? Uh, and <laughs> and uh, shouldn't have his uh privileges uh, revoked because he, he was in Hanoi, right? Then I'm not very sure about what uh, the, the use of the cannabis is like in, in, in the Philippines, right? So I, I mean, uh, personally for myself, I'm not too sympathetic about his plight because I think everybody kind of knows that you're not allowed to take like even this kind of controlled substance overseas and like much less for such a celebrated person in Singapore. So I kind of feel like he kind of deserved it. But I don't know, maybe your, some of you all feel sympathetic about his plight. What do you all think? Well, as, as far as sympathy goes for a accomplished swimmer, he's really drowning in it. Uh, <laughs> or is at least looking, <coughs> at least looking in, in terms of responses to you know, a lot of these, uh, a lot of online comments that I've seen about him, even uh, especially on Facebook, even very uh, pro pro government stances, um, pages like uh, Singapore Matters, which have traditionally supported or at least have followed up uh, uh, Mr. Shamugan's hotline stance on <coughs> uh, cannabis use, have uh, offered relatively uh, sympathetic and uh, forgiving portrayals of uh, Joseph's schooling. So as far as sympathy goes, I think, um, yeah, the color public community is really, really divided. And um, surprisingly, um, we do have a lot of uh, people who, while, um, you know, uh, not not supporting use of drugs on one hand, are very sympathetic towards our, our, our national swimmer. Mm. Yeah. So, so that's just that... an interesting pattern. Uh, yeah, yeah, Chris. So you're saying that it's very divided, right? Because uh, some places do 
that people use this kind of a substance and some in Singapore definitely don't. So, so the question is that uh, he, uh, Joseph Green actually apologizes saying that it, it was like a, I don't know what, what was the exact word, but a moment of weakness. A I, moment of weakness, right? Yeah, yeah. So, so will you buy that apology? Like you'll say that actually he was being, he was going through like, uh, if I, for lack of a better word, Sheila, he was doing, going through crap because um, his father passed on and he was facing a lot of like backlash for his, his, uh, his performance in the Olympics, right? And, and, uh, that was a more recent time, right? And then there was a Vietnam issue, right? And when he took the substance, will you still buy that? After all, you know, he was uh, the he is a former Olympic champion. So do we should we take consideration of these uh, uh, various factors that's happening in, the, uh, in his life and don't be too harsh on this uh, person who has brought glory to, to Singapore. Mm, at least for me personally, uh, I, I really don't know enough about his personal life to make a judgment call on this. Um, if he says so, I, I would buy it. Uh, I, I don't necessarily think that there is, uh, I, 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 can't, I can't establish myself for sure whether there's a direct relationship between um, whatever he has experienced and his uh, consumption, uh, his cannabis consumption. I mean, people can consume uh, cannabis outside, whether, whether or not they are suffering from um, personal trauma and uh, hardships in general. I think it's very hard for me to make a judgment call on that. But um, regardless, at least for myself, I'm relatively sympathetic towards him. Uh, he, he did offer to come forward on his own, uh, despite testing negative. But uh, then again, I think that's more or less just a uh, that that, could, that that in itself could be a way of uh, avoiding a harsher punishment as well. Uh, so, and, and it's it's too early uh, for me at least to make a call on. Mm. And even so, I at least at least for me, it's not something of even even if it's making headlines now. At least for me, it's not something that's of direct relevance to my life. Yeah, mm. yeah, I, I I I'm not a big fan of uh, probing too much into his personal life. Okay, so so you don't idolize him. So in a sense. Actually, actually, do we need to care? <laughs> Is yeah. something that we should care about? Like, uh, there, but... there, there are a lot more. I mean, at least to me, there are a lot more important headlines, uh, in the news that we covered. Right, Michael, Michael Gorbachev just passed, uh, mm. of natural causes. I'm not sure whether that is that that's probably the case, but yeah. Yes. Yeah. So so. This is what, what do you guys think? Do you, do you think uh we are paying too much attention to? Um, Joseph's schooling and his cannabis use, or do you think that this is something that uh, this important reflecting uh, point for our country to think about? I mean, he's a national icon, so if uh, he he do things that go against uh, the the interests of the in a sense uh, the population, right, or the country, right, then I think it's something that uh, is worth caring about, at least for at least a few days or a few weeks, right? And then, uh, but I, I think I have to agree with you, Chris, is that uh, it's not up to us to, to judge on like uh, whether they are mitigating factors uh, based on his personal life. But I think that he personally have also agreed that and, and confessed that uh, 
he has done something wrong, which is to consume that substance in the first place. So moving on to another topic, right? What is in the, the news today or recently is it's also, I think, Chris brought out um, someone passed on, right? And who is that? Yes, so um, Gorbachev has passed. Um, I, I think that's some, something quite big. All these um, that's relatively overshadowed, uh, even uh, especially with, um, you know the other current events going on, uh, such as the war surrounding Ukraine. Right. So um, I've I've only uh, chanced upon the headline a few hours ago. I'm not sure what the um, reaction from the national community will be, but um, I think it will be interesting at this juncture to see what uh, Putin has to say about um, one of his. Uh, former, I guess, yeah, predecessors. Um, but we look at uh, Gorbachev's uh, kind of historical record, right? Then uh, do you think actually right, he's done a, a, a good job back then as a USSR leader, like Damon? Wow, if you ask me this question, uh, I, I don't really know <laughs> much about Gorbachev. Yes, he's the he's the last USSR leader. So yes, true. He ended the Cold War. Yeah, I know all the glass noise and the petrostroika. Petrostroika, uh, that that these things was taught to me for like I think like three years ago. I know one of them is like re- reformation. The other one I can't remember. Basically, is the economy one that yeah, eventually yeah, go down for. Yeah. Because, well, I mean, partly the Soviet Union, it, it all crumbled down because the, some eco, because of economic reasons. Like they cannot compete co- they cannot compete with the West anymore, uh, economic stagnation, people are not happy, all the so, then these social contracts start breaking down, and then here we have from one, one big union state, we have, what, 15 countries, 15 yeah. countries. Whether he's a good leader or not, actually, wow, this, this question is a really difficult one because I don't really, I didn't really study like his history, you know, I didn't really study his history. Then I, I can't really make a good, a well-informed judgment on how, or what was his leadership tenure like. We can talk more about the reform, like as a whole, right? Do you think that the, the breaking apart of the, the USSR actually is a good thing for the world back then? Uh, and I, I think for Gorbachev, when we talk about his legacy, right, he, he's hardly been perceived as a strong leader compared to like, uh, uh, was that Stalin and, and, and even right now Putin, right? So do you think that his, his way of doing things uh, and isn't, isn't quite the the something that a form of leadership that uh his citizens uh would like uh, look up to oh let me okay, do you have um, something to share yes wait can I let let me just butt in for a bit okay if I'm if I'm not wrong from what I remember I think before Gorbachev, there was two other leaders that nobody cared about because they only had like one year in office and then they both died. 
and they were just both like old and conservative and probably just there to block like Gorbachev like the, the more liberal sides from like coming up to power so I feel like as a leader I felt like he did what he needed to do and he tried what he needed to try and and I think it came from a good place but I think it's just the way that the USSR has been structured for so long it's just the the all the people up there in the Politburo just seem so far off from like the ground and even though they implemented all this like the change just was happening too fast at a pace at too different of a pace everywhere that it just broke down and I guess like the another main reason why they probably dissolved was how Gorbachev chose to handle the international affairs as well I mean I would say I would, I would say it's good in a sense that in next few years after USSR fell, there was like a relative sort of peace or maybe like just some calm before the storm. Uh, that I would say is kind of good because <laughs> a lot of crisis, crisis, crisis then were resolved quite quickly because the world could work together. But I think in general as well, I think like China, I guess, had learned a bit from how USSR handled this situation and then instead of like opening the political space, they chose to close it off. And China's still going strong. So I guess China was able to learn from USSR quite a bit, I guess. That's, that's what my opinion is. Right. Yeah. Let me, I wanna, wanna chime in on this. Yes, I agree yes. with Donna that he, okay. that the reforms happened too quickly and then it will, it's like and then because of that everything tumbled tumbled down i believe uh okay now but then again if let's say Gorbachev decide you know to make piecemeal uh reforms who knows maybe the ussr will, will still be will, will have ne- never broken you know or somehow he might have like you know re- restructured the economy then i don't know if it's a good thing eh? one very one the, the two superpowers, oh, this is uh, this is not, it's going to be an unsafe world, you know, I don't know, like, will, will we still have, like, a, a Cold War or, like, you know, a, a, a so-called, they, they was, like, a so-called ceasefire inverted commas, they, they, they will stop, like, bickering and then start off their silly proxy wars. Yes. So we are, we are, we are talking about wars and the war, right? So when, when talk about that, right, and we're talking about the Cold War, right, the ending of Cold War suggests in a, in a certain way a, a, a United States kind of hegemony. So, and, and you also, like, you think about it this way, uh, because uh, you look at the Russian-Ukraine war right now, it's also linked to the historical sense. So how, how do we align? Like, do you think, a, a few points, do you think that the... The the uh, hegemony in US will still continue, or like do you think China will catch up? There are a lot of, actually this particular world topic, right, has a few things to, to actually uh unpack, but I'll leave it to unpack. Uh I think Damon can chip in uh, or or Don or Chris. Yeah, okay. Uh if you don't mind, uh let me go first. Um US, I mean yes, they are in. Okay, they've been in relative decline since I think I also don't even know when when is a good place to start. Because back in the 1945, US share of the economy was like what I don't know 30 to 40 percent. That was how strong they are. But now they, they aren't as 
they aren't as uh, strong as before, like uh, US uh, GDP is basically, I also don't even know, like, is it one digit or, yeah, probably like one, one digit per percent. But despite this, the US is still like really, really strong because of like a few things, uh, their hard and soft power, their economy, their, their military might is, is really like number one. Then the economy might, the US dollar is the, what, the greenback, the reserve currency, uh, is the safe haven currency. And then let's not talk about soft power. Soft power, I think uh, this is really like an underrated matter that, you know, people don't really like think about because they are so used to it. They are so used to consuming a lot of Hollywood films that, you, you know, now, now whatever, like, uh, how to put it, not everyone is all, you know, into this, all, you know, democracy. I mean, <laughs> I don't know, is it, did, did the US help to, you know, push all, push all of these, like, thinking, you know, through their, through their, like, shows, like, American Way of Life. And, well, I mean, other countries are trying to imitate the US in terms of a soft power. So far, Japan, South Korea, they have been successful uh, Japan, I don't know how successful is it now because now we don't really hear about like J-pop. Not everyone is all K-pop. Uh, what? Uh, K-pop diplomacy. B BTS giving a speech. BTS giving a speech at, at the UN. Then you know, wow, you got like one million views when usually like all those diplomats they give a speech like four digits, nine thousand over views. You know, yeah, this sort of thing. Uh, US, yeah, they're in relative decline, but though I don't think. They will be in terminal decline, you no, know, because uh they have like such a big advantage already, and then also they are still like uh, attracting top talent. Yeah, if they can sort sort on sort their internal issues, yes, I believe they they won't they they will still be a superpower. My right, two cents. So, so Dawn, I think is disagreeing <laughs> with you for a few reasons. Let's hear her. No, I was just thinking, is it even possible for US to sort out their internal problems since it has been like that for like hundreds, probably hundreds of years? I was thinking that that might be a bit hard. And I was just thinking, um, just because China may seem like they are rising doesn't, doesn't necessarily mean that the US has to be declining. Because similar things have been said about Japan in the past, in the 80s. When you're saying, oh, this Japan is rising uh, against a declining US. But then, in the end, China also overtake Japan. So, I mean, probably it might be the fact that China is bigger than Japan. And they may have a so-called fighting chance. <laughs> yeah. That. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's not just thinking about that. But yeah, I agree, like, the soft power that other countries have been using. But like, I also do believe that um, all empires would eventually decline. It's just slowly and probably gradually. <laughs> yeah. All right, so, so for Don, the Pusaditi's trap doesn't seem to be applicable right here because... Uh, if it, so yeah, a few points to unpack right here is that um, you think that the rise of China doesn't necessarily have to threaten uh, the United States. But uh, I don't think the US people will, will agree with you because oh, of true. the CDD's trap. So true, when, true. When, a, when, 
there's another stronger power it tends to threaten. I mean, in a sense, realism also comes with place, right? So there's a very, very uh, it's a theory out there. Um, and and of course, uh, uh, when you mentioned about um, a few points, which is that uh, all empires will go to decline, right? They, they go into decline if you look at the Rome uh, and look at other empires, right? They decline for a few reasons. Number one is that the internal stuff, right? The internal rivalry, the, the elites, right? they all they are become more complacent, things like that, right? So, Damon, back to you. <sighs> back to me. Uh, let me think. Uh, but let, let me see if I can remember like why the empires for uh for the Rome Empire it was imperial overstretch I guess and then like internal corruption and then also like uh other there's also like other rival forces is it what 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 is it called is it the kingdom of Carthage or something then yeah they 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 lost the they lost some battles here and there and then then they slowly break out. Then what we have the Byzantine Empire, and then like something really folk really don't know my, my history. So then after that, uh okay, I also cannot remember like how how many what what is Pax? This is called Pax Romania, Roman Empire. Then there was also Pax Britannia, British Empire. Now is now we are we are still living in the age of Pax Americana. Since what 1945? I don't know, man. I think I think it will still go strong. Uh. It's I mean <laughs> it's like a I really don't have like this crystal ball. I really cannot uh forecast what will happen, what will happen in the future, man. This is you don't have to forecast about what will happen in the future. If you do, you can let me know. I want to buy some lottery, buy some poly then. And yeah, you're gonna seat. use you're gonna use me as a as a your money making machine. Uh. Definitely, definitely. You have the crystal ball to see the future. Why not? On a more lighter note, right? In terms of current affairs, I uh I saw in the news that Japan is opening up, right? So no longer do people uh do travelers to to Japan uh need to be in a in a group. And I'm gonna go Japan soon, Chris. Uh, when I'll, I'll I'll travel there when uh Damon's crystal ball uh opens up shop. <laughs> so so uh uh so that, that's that's not gonna happen anytime soon, you know, Chris. Nope. Unfortunate. His crystal ball is not gonna be made in a, a particular factory called uh, Damon Private Limited or something like that. Not gonna come very soon. Right, Don. How about you, Japan? Let's go. Uh, Japan is so expensive to travel to. <laughs> I mean, just the air ticket alone. But I think they have a few theme parks opening, right? Is it Japan or China? I think both sides have a lot of interesting theme parks that will be opening. I'm not sure if they have a Studio Ghibli one opening soon. Oh, I would yeah. like to visit that. Yeah, it sounds damn exciting. Yeah. All right, very nice. Damon! Yeah, I heard the Studio Ghibli one. Uh... I don't know what what is it that there's another studio Jibui theme park. Then uh, I forgot when is the opening. Is it October or is it November or is it next year? But anyway, I'm pretty sure that when tickets like 
are ever for release, right? The whole site is gonna crash and then people are just gonna it's gonna be an extra crazy mad rush scramble for, for all those tickets. That that time I, I went to Japan in 2019 uh for my uh ORD trip with, with my JC friends then <coughs> excuse me then uh I wanted to go to Studio Jibui, yeah, in Tokyo, but when I checked the thing, uh, I sold out. And I feel, I don't know where I read from, like, you have to book way, way beforehand, you know. That's how popular it was. Yeah, but yes, um, am I going to Japan anytime soon? I don't think so, because I just feel like Japan, uh, Japan is not cheap. This one really, really must be, and it just feels like Singapore again. I don't know. Okay, but also partly when I went to Japan, then I went to all the big cities, Osaka, Kyoto, and Tokyo. Yeah, these three, these three cities. We didn't even visit the, the, the countryside, the rural area. So, well, maybe food for thought. One fine day, I might go to all the countryside areas instead of like city, you know. So, uh, I, I'm not like, I'm not really like, you know, the a city person. I mean, in Singapore, you really want this, this entire country is a city. Really. You go overseas, you go to a city, or maybe it's for change, you should go and like, you know, go to all those na- uh, uh, national parks, like, you know, America, all the national parks, like Yosemite, Grand Canyon, Yellowstone, especially Yellowstone, you, you see, you, you, you see the, the, the caldera, the, is it called a caldera? You know, those, those very hot, hot liquid and all the geysers, yeah. And Rocky Mountain National Park, you know, nature, nature, nature. Not, not in Singapore, the only nature you have is what Bukit Timah, that tiny hill, like it's like a pimple we, on, we on the ground. Oh yes, we do have a hot spring in it. Like that, there's like, as, oh, speaking of hot spring, and you know, all those, but I think people start cooking eggs in the hot springs. <laughs> Right, uh, we, we cannot we cannot forget about all the hot springs, uh, and definitely we we will want to go for those in Japan rather than, uh, putting our legs in the in the in the one uh, uh in the in the inside of Singapore, right? So, awesome, and with that, I guess that's all for the podcast. See you around. <laughs>